Hello, it's me, Sam, and you are listening to the Stagey Place podcast. In this episode, I talk to Yulia and Polina, co-directors of an exciting new production of Kim Davies' Smoke. In this episode, we talk about juggling work and outside life and the benefit of directing with another, as well as discussing the play's themes on sex and consent within the show and why it's important for you, the audience, to see right now. So have a listen. If you're having brunch or commuting on the tube, catching yourself in the reflection of the scratched up perspex opposite you, asking what you're doing, where are you going, who are you being, or is that just me? Whatever you're doing, have a listen to what I think is the best podcast about theatre right now. Well, hello, Yulia and Polina. How are you today? Hello, we're really well. We've just hopped out from rehearsals. We're at the end of week two. So yeah, it's all, all kind of getting real. We are pushing things up on its feet. So, so yeah, really well. Yeah, ankle deep in the sand that is our set. Literally <laughs> ankle, hands yeah. in the sand and the charcoal, in the mud of it all. Yeah, we just tried out some charcoal for the first time today and me and Paulina got over excited. Yeah. Probably more excited than the actors. <laughs> yeah, sounds exciting. So, so this is for your current show that you're rehearsing called Smoke by Kim Davies. That is at the Southwark Playhouse soon, yes? How's yeah. it going? How's rehearsal going? Yeah, grand. Oh, I, I hate to use the word adaptation because it's not quite an adaptation, but it sort of riffs on similar themes and vibes as uh, Miss Julie. Uh, and it was written now a good 10 years ago, which doesn't seem like that long ago. But I think with the pandemic and Brexit and various social movements, it feels like a period piece, uh, which is quite an interesting thing yeah. to tackle. But it's going well. It has It's quite gnarly in the sense that there's a lot of big, complicated and quite heavy themes to deal with. So we've only been in rehearsals for two weeks but because we also did a previous R&D on it, it feels like we've been with this for years yeah. now. <laughs> mm, so you're both the co-directors for the whole project, yes. When did it start? So kind of like you mentioned R&D, kind of like when was the kind of like the first idea born? Yes, so Ollie and Megan, who are the actors of the play and also the producers of the show, they found the play and they found the play during the pandemic. It was quite interesting. Megan was actually telling us at the beginning of rehearsals how they were reading lots of two-handers and they just came across this one and really thought they were really gripped by it because it's really sharp the dialogue the characters it's really complex and then they got us on board to do an R&D which we did last March or no two years ago two March. years ago yeah wow, nearly two long years time. ago and we it was the first time we worked together yeah. so they they met with a couple of directors and then they invited Polina and me to join them for a week to just explore I think at that point we explored a lot of the how do we stage the intimacy of it it was quite naturalistic and we we're just really trying to get a sense of the text which then when we completely moved away from and, and that was yeah creative. that was the first time I worked with an intimacy director yeah, as well so it was in a kind of loads of firsts yeah um, it's the first time I've worked with two actors that are married and a couple yes. in real life portraying these two people that have just met and have an incredibly charged to begin with and then like outright dangerous uh, sexual encounter. So there was like a lot of nuances of the play, but also nuances of how to stage intimacy in a relationship of two people who are actually really intimate, but have to not know each other. That's a bit of that, that's the acting bit, yeah. but also how to disassociate them from their bodies because these two bodies are unfamiliar with each other and how to 
do it safely yeah and how for them to do it without bringing the work home so having two directors we've been asked quite a lot how are you co-directing why are you co-directing why are there two of you it's weirdly not that unusual if you are doing new work yeah. or if you're doing some physical theater whereas like for clearly for normal plays that are on a page it seems like a unique yeah. thing they're sharing roles as well because they're producers and actors there's kind of a mixture of people putting on different hats so it's quite useful to have two of us I completely agree I think it's it's because it's the, the two of them are doing so much actually having then two people come in and and help them actually stage it and do the directing is is really helpful and I think it's been really helpful for us as well and in terms of because the whole process has been really collaborative with everyone else so we had so many conversations with Sammy our designer the, the design is so integral to this the intimacy yeah the intimacy the sound and lighting everything is working it's so ambitious I think for what we're trying to do at the in the little at the Southwark that actually having the two of us and then having everyone else collaborate it feels like a devising process yeah, like I know it's a play and it's 75 pages and we can't change them this is like not a play that's being edited in yeah. rehearsals it very much exists as its own entity and it's really raw and powerful and meaty and juicy as a text but the process around it feels like it's a devising process which why yeah it sort of makes sense having the two of us I love directing but it, get, it can get lonely so it's been really nice to kind of share that because I was pregnant when we did yes. so when we did the R&D I was I don't know maybe like six months pregnant or something like that maybe and five just that in at the end. and I just dropped that at the end <laughs> so that was my, my child's first experience of a rehearsal room and now I have I have a child that is about a year and a half so it's quite sort of surreal that's quite a tough thing to negotiate as a director and I think that like the loneliness is real and then having a baby and sort of doing that on top of that would mean it would feel so hostile and sad so I think there's something really reassuring and also we do I've realized we tap in and tap out the two of us so tapping in and tapping out is something that our intimacy coordinator Asha talks to about the actors so they when they start doing any intimacy at the beginning of the rehearsal they do a physical thing that sort of like bookends at the beginning at the end and we do it via whatsapp so before we get into rehearsals we're like we'll do this today and then literally as we leave so the playhouse one of us goes right one of us goes left we're texting each other immediately so there's a kind of a weird mirroring going on i love it it's really important it sounds like there's a lot to juggle inside the rehearsal room and outside as well which is what normal life is, isn't it? So it's really important to know how to balance it all, which is really great. I realised that it's it sounds really exciting, like all these kind of like phrases and words are kind of like making it really exciting, but we haven't actually talked about what the play is yet. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so what happens? What is the play about? So the play is, it's about two people who, so it's about Julie, who is a 20-year-old, potential college dropout um, who comes from a really privileged wealthy background her dad is a super famous artist and about John who is still an intern he's trying to make it in the art world he's a bit older so he's like 31 and they meet in the kitchen of a sex party essentially they have this encounter that then goes terribly wrong and he works for her father which is where the sort of Strindberg's Miss Julie element comes in is that he is older he is a man he is much more experienced 
in this kind of kink community that she's slightly stumbled into. And so on the one hand, there is a lot of status and power there. On the other hand, she is the daughter of his boss. And with privilege comes a certain amount of different sort of power and status, very kind of financially secure, able to drop out of college without needing to think about it. So you have these two people with sort of all of their baggage they meet maybe by accident maybe not and in throughout the play they're trying to negotiate boundaries each other's power Uh, and the sense of like status and consent and can they have a successful encounter with so much at stake Wow. I don't want to give too much away. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a good sell. It's a good sell, definitely. <laughs> so, so I understand that it's um, adapted by Stringbird's Miss Julie. So, why should this ad- adaptation be staged now? Like, what what is it doing to the adaptation, the original text, and kind of like why should audiences be seeing it right now? Well, partly I think because conversations around sexual consent if you take kind of the kink element out of it it's just two people meeting I think although it's sort of well Stringberg's written x amount of years ago and obviously this is written 10 years ago the conversation is ongoing I think some stuff has changed with the Me Too movement but probably well no definitely not enough yeah I think that the encounter that this describes is really complicated because of all the factors I sort of mentioned earlier and I think that these encounters are very complicated and I think people all agree generally speaking, that sexual assault is bad. But what I think people don't understand fully sometimes is what is sexual assault and what happens on the stage is awful and is yeah. sexual assault unequivocally it shows the complexities there is i think one thing i think Polina, you said this before that there is a sense of like you have to ask for consent continuously like in this play there is a lot of speak of consent and there is a lot of boundary checks but it's not enough to ask for it once or twice you have to continuously ask for it and i think that is probably the most powerful thing why I think it's still relevant today I think now consent is it feels like a buzzy word you know people sort of throw it around quite a lot and it's in the cultural zeitgeist but I think people are still quite confused about what it means is it like something you get at the beginning of the encounter but actually consenting to one thing doesn't mean you consent to everything and also consenting to one thing shouldn't mean that you can't change your mind halfway through the encounter you might think you want the idea of something but actually then realize that oh gosh this is absolutely not what I wanted and I think we need to have conversations where it's okay for women to say no throughout rather than I saying yes or no she said yes therefore everything everything goes and I think this is not talked about enough yeah it's not a consent is not a get out of jail free card for the whole experience it's just something that needs to be constantly checked reiterated double check triple check quadruple check for each stage of the process otherwise it's it's not enough so i think that's a really powerful yeah. really powerful message it shows two really messy humans which i think is really glorious yes. that um, human beings are messy and occasionally really awful yeah <laughs> and i think it's important that they're both they're both awful to each other in different ways but that doesn't mean that what happens again this is spoiling it but what happened that act of sexual violence doesn't get justified because it's two separate things someone can be really awful but then still something really horrific can happen to them yes yeah, the complexities of yeah. human beings two things can be true, true. Yeah. yeah 
Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure you've kind of like tackled original texts as well in terms of kind of like from the writer, so linear writing as well. What is it like to kind of like carry the original text and kind of like be aware of kind of like the previous stagings, previous meanings, and what it's like when you're kind of bringing that into a contemporary setting? What What's kind of going through your head as directors from compared to, to new writing, where it's kind of like a new story that's kind of like that's dawning? I think I pretend maybe this is a naive thing to do, but I pretend that this has never been done before. And like, otherwise, you kind of get like if you're doing, you know, the 50th production, it's not 50, the like 500th production yeah. of Romeo and Juliet, looking back on all the other Romeo and Juliets that came before is sort of sort of useful but also like madness that way can lie because then you're just uh, so obsessed with doing something original rather than doing something true to the text so I think we have approached it more like a new play because I think Kim the writer approached it as a new play she has a really good quote when she sort of talks about she uses some of the same mechanical parts that Stringberg used with Miss Julie but then she assembles them in a different way and sees if the machine still runs and that's sort of it's a paraphrasing of a much better quote because she's a really good writer (laughs) and I am not but that's sort of it is a series of cogs assembled in a different way which in a way makes it a different play so although we've read and are aware especially with the Miss Julie it's the status class privilege divide that is really pertinent I think that's the thing that we came back to and actually I don't think we talked much about Miss Julie in the R&D and it wasn't until we started prepping for the actual show that we read it and we're like oh yeah there are themes and there are moments that have been lifted but it does feel, I think, more helpful for us, at least, definitely to to think about this as a new play. And even, you know, there's been productions of this play before. In America, in America, yeah. And I think one in maybe Scotland. Edinburgh, I think, um, yeah. And, and even for that, I think it was helpful for us to acknowledge those. But this is such a different approach that it feels like a completely new play in that sense. Because, again, we are kind of approaching it from a devising point of view, which is very different to how... It was originally done in a in a hyper naturalistic way, which was, I guess, a helpful reference point. But I don't think we spend too much time looking into it. I think that's really interesting. So you would suggest kind of like tackling whatever it is, kind of to make sure that kind of like you are making it for a new audience, which kind of like don't have kind of like a a knowledge of the history of the text, but kind of tackling yeah, new because ideas. I think that's really it's really cool to have. I don't know. I always think about it from a point of view. I once went to see a play. I don't want to say what it was or who. I actually, I don't remember who directed it or whatever. But they had like a really clever reference point in the set to kind of, I think, Peter Brooks' White Box or something. And I watched it and I'm a theatre person and I did get it. I watched it. I was like, well, I don't get what this is about. So like, I just think sometimes if you make too many clever, clever nods to the original, I don't know how many people have read Miss Julie. And I'm sure some people, if you've read Miss Julie, you will come to this and you will recognise bits of Miss Julie and that will be really satisfying. But you don't need- But you don't need that to enjoy the play. You can come and watch it not knowing Miss Julie. And I think that's sort of what we have in mind. Otherwise, you're creating snooty references. <laughs> it makes it more inclusive. I think so. Because yeah. it is about the audience and their yeah. experience at the end of the day, rather than us being clever or yes. trying to be clever. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier, I love 
a set and I love the aesthetic of something because I always read into it and I love kind of like the worlds that directors and the kind of like the actors are, are kind of like populating and you mentioned earlier that you've been using charcoal like when the audience walk into the space without giving too many spoilers like what is it like what the, what's the atmosphere like it will be very hopefully quite striking I think as soon as an audience walks in they will get a sense that we're going to be watching something that's in a less naturalistic and maybe a more psychological space that's very visceral and there'll be a lot of textures and and things that the actors will be interacting dirt. with. Dirt. <laughs> yeah, it's a psychological space rather than a kitchen. But there might be a bit of a cameo from some kitchen elements. In kitchen elements. <laughs> a colander is used at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. That's not a bad that idea. Maybe. 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 Page, that was a- page 75 of Kenwood is brought out and they make pancakes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. That's so exciting. So if, if you could like... Like sum up in three words. Let's try that. Three words. I know I hate these kind of questions because they're hard, but why should someone come to see this? What are they going to experience within three words? I'd say like complexities of humans yeah. and complexities of human interactions plus sex. Yeah, it's it's it is. You're right. It is complex because sometimes I always find sex kind of makes it a bit more clear because there's no kind of like the foreplay is kind of like the complex part of it but then when you get to the sex it kind of like all barriers are down all the inhibitions have been removed in theory it must be so simple and yet this play kind of like really brings up the complexities of that I, I love think it. that's a better yeah, way of putting it than I could yeah, have done yeah. <laughs> no I'm only reading into what you've said only what, what you've said well that sounds so exciting you've sold it to me I'm gonna come for sure it sounds Thank so you. good so that's smoke at the Southwark Playhouse from the 1st to the 25th of February yes amazing Amazing. yes that's right before you go I want to ask you one final question each we'll start with you Yulia so because our podcast is called the stagey place we ask everyone what is your stagey place and it could literally be anything it could be a theatre it could be the front row of the stalls it could be the wings it could be a tech box or it could be Pratt in Soho what is your <laughs> what is your stagey place I mean I think it might be either the nearest coffee shop to the rehearsal room or the coffee bit in the green room that's oh, very good very coffee centric it's very coffee centric <laughs> I think it's just like when you are in rehearsals and you have a break and you all go and get a coffee that's my stage of place. Why is that? I don't know. I feel like it's like a lovely thing when you're working together on something quite intensely and then you get these pockets of like 10, 15 minutes break. Kind of still talking about the play, but there's like life starts to sweep in. I don't know. There's just something quite magical about them. Partially. Love it. Love it. What about you, Polina? It's a really specific moment of tech. So it's the venue that I would be working in and it is tech before the actors get in. And before you start plotting, when you walk into the space and the set has been partly composed and all of the sort of seating of the auditorium is filled with wires for lighting, you know, cabling and wires. And then you kind of, there's nothing for you to really do because your incredible team is getting on with like stuff incredibly efficiently and well. So as a director, you just kind of sit, you're surrounded by wires and like, coffee cups and old Percy Pig wrappers from the get-in snacks and you sit and you can kind of see the set begin to assemble but it's not there yet the actors aren't in the space and it is like a weird threshold moment and you've got to see the potential of what it could be but at the same time you can kind of sit there with your thoughts and just have the script 
and sort of like think, oh, that could work this way. Oh, that's so it's really exciting because I think it sparks loads of different ideas and also cements things that you felt certain about. But generally, empty auditoriums with cabling. Yes. I don't even have to be working on a play. I love an empty auditorium with some cables lying around. Yeah, yeah. You see the mechanics of it, don't you? Yeah. yeah and then you kind of then afterwards you see the magic. And like the magic is satisfying. I always love how long it takes to get all the lights up even if you're not doing anything mm. like you know you're not so like true. flying things in that it just it just takes so long to get it right and I just think that the cabling is like that yeah you're seeing the, the working out you know like in a maths problem you like you have a really neat answer and then you're on the other yeah. side you have like all the multiplications and that it's, it's like seeing the multiplications yeah I love that that's a good analogy well thank you so much guys thank you for thank joining you. me today thank you I remind everyone one last time smoke at the Southwark Playhouse first till the 25th of Feb on very soon very soon I'll let you go back to rehearsals I know you're thank so busy you. we'll run off yes thank yeah, you, yeah. You. have a good day so um, good maybe you. I'll see you in the theatre yeah. yes please so there we are thank you so much to Yulia and Polina for joining me Sam Pout on today's episode of the Stagey Place make sure you catch smoke at the Southwark Playhouse as it sounds like it's not one to be missed So whatever you're doing for the rest of the day, I hope you have a lovely one. Look after yourselves and I will see you all very, very soon.